as service was going on, I sat in the back of the sanctuary talking to Mark Adams for a few minutes. One of my comments to him was, I said, you ever just watch people? And he said, oh, yeah, I like to go to a mall and just... He didn't say this. Lauren probably spends all the money, and he just sits there and watches people. Amen. He just amen me. <laughs> so be it. And so when you uh, work with people, after a while, you know, there's certain things that just stand out to you. And how many has learned that people are different? Okay, I'll go ahead and say what's in our mind. People are nuts. And in that, we have a lot of fun. But when we get a little more serious, we realize we are truly the same, only different. And it's those differences that I want to speak about. If I ask how many of you desire a fruitful life and ask for a raise of hands, I would trust every hand would be raised, whether you're streaming, whether you're in person. When we come to this, if we just take a moment, if you let me just kind of build this position here. But what does this mean? When does it start? How does it start? Is it the same for everybody? Do I gravitate to it and sustain it? How do I maintain it once I have it? Do other people recognize it? What does it do for me? Does it bring reward? So again, to make this just this blanket statement of I want a fruitful life, what does that mean to you? And then we come into the realities is we all come with something in our gift mix. I love that expression because God has created us. And in that, he hasn't created us all the same. Some of us are great with numbers. Some of us can't be trusted with numbers. Some of us are great with colors, tints, and hues. Some of us are very, very, very meticulous about things. And it shows up in our conversation. You ever been with somebody that they, if you ask them about something, they just go on and on and on and on and on. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> there was a man that attended here years ago. He's gone home to be with the Lord. And at his funeral, another man speaking, again, I'm not going to reference the name, but he said, what I learned about this man was you never ask him what time it was because he's going to tell you how they built that clock to tell the time. <laughs> there are certain areas in life where you need people to be that meticulous and that gifted in speech, that glib. And then there's other places that it doesn't fit. And so we come to this reality as God has created us with purpose. And we've got to find that place that brings fulfillment. That's part of life. It is this thing of, I need to try this to see if I like it because I'm not God. I don't know all about me yet. I don't know everything I like. How many of you have discovered you found things you liked that you didn't even know was there the day before? And it's like, I like this. This is fun. I didn't know I could do this. Or those times where you just laugh and you just can't stop laughing. What in the world triggered that laugh button in me? I need to go back and hit that button again. Or your spouse comes up and says, you need to find that button again. All this is speaking about a fruitful life. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's word, you will, if you've done much study at all as you turn there, 
you're going to recognize some of the wording. Isaiah chapter 61, I want to read verses 1 and the first part of 2. And it simply says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And you notice right there, it can remain standing, that if you go over to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, these very words were read by Jesus. The story is this. Jesus was an adult man now. He had just been tempted in the wilderness, and he is starting, he's graduated, he's now going into ministry full-time. And he makes his way back to Galilee, and he goes into Nazareth, and as he's going into the synagogue there on the Shabbat day, he finds that they pick him out and say, here, read from the scroll of Scripture. And they hand him Isaiah 61, what we just read. Now, for you and I, we're like, wait a minute, he didn't finish the sentence. He didn't finish the verse, because now we have the privilege of chapter and verse. But from there, you'll go back to Luke, and you'll find out that Jesus stopped reading. We know what else was there in Isaiah 61, but he stopped there and Closed the scroll. Why? Because he couldn't read what was about next. The second part of verse 2 as we have it. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress. Instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why? That he may be glorified. Lord, thank you for your word. Let it speak to us. Let it search out those deeper things in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you see, to turn to somebody else and say, amen. amen. <laughs> so be it. Here's the setting. Here's the setting. Jesus has to stop reading from what we know to be Isaiah 61 because he could not yet address the vengeance. And because of that, then, of course, the mourning that comes with it, and yet we're already, from what we've read today, realize that anytime we get in God's presence, it's the place of great exchange. We come to him with our mourning, and he gives us a headdress of, of praise, of a garment of praise, a, a garment of praise that... Uh, has an anointing, a perfume. So we come one way and he ministers to us to help us leave another way. It is here, though, that there's an expression that is throughout the scriptures. And he calls us something very special, a planting of the Lord. How many have read the little plaque somewhere, bloom where you're planted? We're a planting of the Lord. We're not just a happenstance. We're not just uh, the ooze that came out of the ocean and crawled up on a beach somewhere and grew a tail and hung from the tree and all of a sudden here we are. We're a planting of the Lord created by God, created in his image, who has purpose for us. 
Well, of course, then we come into something as well, and we find what Jesus shared, and it's one of my favorite passages, so you know that, because as soon as I would direct you to John 15, the vine and the branches, it just always speaks to me. And it's the same expression coming out from what Isaiah was instructed to write and inspired to write is what Jesus is sharing that we have recorded in John 15. That there is the vine who is Jesus. And then we come along and we are attached to him where the branches. What we also have to notice in John 15 is this. What ties it all together, there's a vine dresser. How many knows the vine dresser? God himself, watching over our lives. We're a planting of the Lord, and he doesn't just cast seed, throw us out there, you're on your own now. We're a planting of the Lord, and this vine dresser watches over us our entire life. With the responsibility of preaching, I have the responsibility of speaking to the masses. In other words, the teens, the 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, right on up the scale do we all have anything in common at those different junctures in life? What, these three young men on the front pew here, what do they have in common with somebody else at 60 or 70 or 80? And I'll stop there. We're all a planting of the Lord. And there's a vine dresser watching over our lives, shaping us. For those of us that like plants, horticulture, uh, have anything to do with uh, gardens or just flowers, uh, uh, anything, we start learning certain big words or certain common words. And this will speak to you today. Because in our life, if we're looking for this fruitful life, we have to understand there's ebbs and flows. And why is that? Because there are seasons that are different in our life. Some of them are annuals and some of them are perennials. You and I kind of struggle. If we don't know much about that world and we weren't there in the planting of it, we come along in a certain season and say, man, that is gorgeous. That's beautiful. I'm really enjoying it. Man, I'm glad that's in my yard. I'm going to enjoy that forever. And a season comes and goes and you come back. Where is that beautiful flower? I can't find it. I thought it would always be here. But you see, it was an annual. It had a shelf life of a season. Ooh, come on, somebody. And there are other things that are perennials that we make no effort at all, and then we go back, and there it is again. Oh, thank you, Lord, for refreshing me again. And then we get dependent upon it. But that's the thing about perennials. Some of them also have shelf lives. They may go, if they go beyond two seasons, they're perennials. But some last two seasons, some last 14 seasons. Some seemingly just goes on forever. How many is there with me? And we have to realize, wait a minute, there's a vine dresser. I don't know all the seasons. I don't know what's in my next season. I know what I enjoyed in the last season, and I hope I get it again this time next year or the next time I'm around that person or the next time I'm at that event. And sometimes you go back, it's like, man, it's just as good as it ever was. I mean, how many likes banana pudding? I mean, it's as good the next time as it was the last time, right? I got your attention. But what do you do when you go back and there's no banana pudding? We are ticked off. <laughs> the annuals, the perennials. 
Harriet Beecher Stowe put it the best. Oh, I love this. When she said, how does a branch bear fruit? It's not by incessant effort of, for sunshine and air. It's not by vain struggles. It simply abides in the vine in silent and undisturbed union. And blossoms and fruit appears as of spontaneous growth. Wow. And so how many of us just, we, oh, we want to be in charge. Oh, yeah, I heard a couple grunts. You want to be in control. But we're branches. We're not the vine. And we're not the vine dresser. We're merely branches. There's a purpose to our life, and that is to be fruitful, to bear fruit. But, oh, I, I, I want to push other branches out of the way. I want some of that more of that sunshine. I, 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 want, I want this branch just to be gone so that I can get more air. But all of it's vain in our struggles because all that changes nothing. Ooh, come on, somebody. How many has been there? Disappointed in your own efforts. Because you just thought, if I get more of this, I'm going to be happy. And you got more, and are you happy? No. It's the things, of course, that we lose along the way. When we talk about a planting of the Lord, and then we get to John 15, the vine and the branches, there's something that speaks to us immediately there. As the vine dresser chooses the branches, and some of them, he says, he takes them away. And others... He prunes them. If they're bearing fruit, he prunes them. Why? So that they'll bear even more fruit. How many likes to be pruned? I, no takers? And yet, it's so vital to being fruitful. Oh, man, aren't you glad you're here today? To be reminded of these simple truths that's ongoing in our life, and we get so caught up in the minutiae. We get so caught up in the spins of the media. We get so caught up in the climate of the culture that we forget these things that are going on constantly. The vine dresser's always at work. This branch has been taken away. Not by your effort. He took it away. And these that are producing fruit, he prunes them. And boy, that just really messes with us. God, I was doing so good. I mean, I was blessing people. I was making money. I was giving things. I was charitable. And you cut me back. How many's been there? And how many misunderstood what God was doing? You see, that pruning is so vital. Because it's at that time, then the branches have a redirection of its resources. That which would have been wasted somewhere else is now put where it really needs to be. It is that appearance of loss that we struggle with. But the focus should not be on what once was. It needs, and as we're trained as a planning of the Lord, to saying, Lord, if you've removed this, then I'm already excited about where you're taking me. Wow. You're redirecting me. Not everything but certain things. Because it's obvious with my effort, I would have kept it that way, but it's changing. Lord, teach me to accept that because if that's changing and it looks like it's lost, then I realize there's nothing lost in you. Where are we going next? 
What is it that you're going to bless even more in the next season that was somewhat blessed in the last season? Lord, teach me your ways. Let me flow in the Spirit. How many spiritual people do we have here? Spirit, Spirit-filled people. We believe in the Spirit being fluid in our life, moving in our life, speaking to our life, walking in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying with understanding, singing in the Spirit. These things are all fluid, and we come to this place of understanding yet again about the planting of the Lord. You see, when we read from Isaiah 61 and these type of passages, we're always reminded of the pruning hooks and also the shears. There are certain things and major things are being lopped off, and other times it's just a little trimming. And so it is in the things of the Spirit, where things are just getting redirect a little bit more. Now, if you really want to get to the meat of this passage today, we're reminded of something else, this thing called life. And if we're talking about having a fulfilled life, it is the Hebrew writer that declares it's like a race. And in that, we are to lay aside the sins and the weights that so easily beset us. Here's the thing about pruning. Sometimes it is, again, something that was an annual. It was only for a season, and God said, I'm going to remove that now. You don't need the vestige of yesterday I need to redirect those resources into something that's going to be fruitful. Yes. And there are other things that were bearing fruit. And he says, you can't see it yourself. But by doing a little bit of pruning here, you're going to even see more increase in this area because of what I'm doing now. But it's these other areas. It looks so full. But you see, it's superfluous. In other words, it's excessive. And these are the areas he really does the trimming. Where he comes in and he starts removing that which is too much. We know in the Ten Commandments that we're not to covet. Do you know what covetness is? It's wanting more of what you already have too much of. But if it was up to us, we would hoard it. And we would get more and we'd press it down and squash it and get bigger containers. We'd tear down barns and build bigger barns. All these things are teaching us about the superfluous that happens to our lives. We think we're happy. But all these things cause something. It causes us to be hindered. Because now i got to have more vehicles to move all this extra stuff i got to have a bigger house to store all this bigger stuff. I've got to rent storage places. How many am I preaching to right now? <laughs> and what good is it? You see, it's not a sin, but it is a weight. Pastor, that is so good. Man, you were on it right now. This is the stuff we don't like to touch. The things that just absolutely hold us back. The unnecessary, the needless, the things that hinder us. Do you know they have found out that of the aquariums, the Georgia Aquarium, any of these, the more popular fishes, mammals, different 
species to be viewed. It's, the sharks are still amazing to people. But you know what's incredible about a shark? If you keep a shark in a small aquarium, it'll be fully mature, but it'll only be six inches long. You can take that same shark and allow it to be put back into the ocean where it belongs, and it'll grow to eight feet. Both are fully matured, but one's only six inches long, and the other one's eight foot. And so it is with our lives. We get pressed into molds, and all these things that God says, if you just let me do my perfect work in you and be the vine dresser. We'll trim some of these things that are holding you back, that's, that's weighing you down. You can't do it for yourself. Somewhere along the way, we got to learn how to do it. And I got good news for those of us that are a little bit older. I want you to turn with me to Psalms 92. Psalms 92, beginning at verse 12, it simply says, the righteous flourish. Sounds like a fruitful life, doesn't it? The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted, where? In the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. Get ready for it. They still bear fruit in their old age. They are ever full of sap and green. So next time somebody says, you're full of it, tell them, yeah, that's right, I'm full of sap. What did the pastor preach on today? I only heard one thing. <laughs> they still bear fruit in their old age. They're ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen, amen, and amen. We come back to this planting of the Lord and even as we age, I didn't call us old, as we age, we can still bear fruit. Back to John 15, verse 16. We didn't choose God. He chose us and ordained us, purposed us, that we would produce fruit. And fruit, that's perennial, that remains, that keeps on going on. As I close this morning, I, I read the story of someone that it, I'd never heard of and just spoke to me. His name was Dr. Charles McCoy. Dr. Charles McCoy was a pastor, and he pastored one congregation for many, many years in Oyster Bay, New York. He never married, therefore he never had children. So with his extra time, other than responsibilities of pastoring, he loved to study, and he wound up receiving eight different degrees. That was his world. But something happened to Dr. McCoy. He aged. And at 72, the denomination came to him, and they forced him to retire. He wasn't happy about it at all. And by matter of fact, he became quite depressed. But the depression didn't last but a week. But in that week, his world that he knew was gone. And he was struggling. How many can understand that? A changing of seasons. I guess my life's over. I have no purpose. Everything I've been good for, all that I've studied, it's just wasted. Was it, was it worth it? Was it worth it? But a week later, after this forced retirement, he met a missionary. And the missionary was from India. And he said, I want you to come to India and to preach. 
Dr. McCoy did what seemed to be so absurd. He didn't have a lot of wealth. He just pastored at one church all those years. He had one car. He sold the car and other possessions. And all, everything he had left was in one suitcase. And with that money, he bought a one-way ticket to India. When he got there in Bombay, he had made the statement to some people riding along with him. He said, all I have is this suitcase and my wallet and my Bible. Before the day was over, pickpockets had stolen all of that. He called back to the States, and some of his friends said, you're just so foolish. Why, why did you go there? And what happens if you die there? And his statement to them then was, you know what? It's just as close to heaven from India than it is there in New York. He didn't know what he would do, and finally he went to a church, and conversation after conversation led him to some other missionaries. The missionary that he met in the States didn't arrive in India. He was on his own, but he had gone. He knew where that particular missionary had been sent from, so he's talking to these individuals, and they said, we'll help you with whatever we can. You want to go back? He said, no, I, I, it's a one-way ticket. And what are you going to do? He said, you know what? I'm going to get an appointment with the mayor. And they laughed at him. They said, we've been, we've been here for years. We've been trying to get to the mayor. And we've never got the first invitation. So he went to the mayor's office. And he walked up. He said, I want to meet with the mayor. And who are you? I'm Dr. Charles McCoy from Oyster Bay, New York. I want to meet with the mayor. Secretary came back and she said, okay, you have an appointment at 3 o'clock this afternoon. At 3 o'clock, he got back and there were several people in the room. He had no idea why. The reason they allowed him room was that he stood six foot four and had beautiful white hair. And when they read his pedigree, all of those degrees, they just figured he was important to somebody. They said, you have 30 minutes. He preached the gospel. For 30 minutes. At the end of the meeting, a man, a military man came to him. He said, I want you to come to my school, my military school, and speak. He had no idea it was the equivalent to West Point. From there, he would go to Calcutta. He would go on into Hong Kong. He would go to other cities around. For 16 years, the Lord just kept opening doors in that old age. He was still bearing fruit because he was full of sap. He finally got back to Calcutta, and he was to speak that afternoon. He told individuals, he said, I'm feeling pretty tired. I better rest up for the engagement this afternoon. He never showed up that afternoon. He left this world from that motel room in Calcutta. And then those that had heard him 16 years earlier realized, yeah, he got the glory just as quick from there as he would have from Oyster Bay, New York. Would you stand with me today?